Hello, you're listening to Peterborough Currents. My name's Aisha Barmania. Uh, today's episode is a little bit different than other episodes, but I wanted to get it out pretty quick because voting has opened for the Peterborough and all the municipal elections in Ontario. So I've brought in um, another Peterborough independent podcaster, Bill Templeman, to uh, help me with this segment on uh, the mayoral candidates. So... Bill, uh, today we're going to be talking about the mayoral candidates. Um, there's the incumbent Daryl Bennett and uh, new candidate Diane Terrian. Um, I just wanted to ask you a bit about um, what's been your perception of the uh, of the race so far. Well, it's been unlike certainly the last race, or for that matter any race before because there are only two horses on the track right it's a very clear decision and so the dynamics are different there's none of the strategic voting there's none of the vote splitting uh, and because the decision is clear um, there is more hesitancy, hesitancy about the choice you, you've got experience versus, versus youthful energy and new ideas and it's uh, it's interesting how it's playing out. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to the doors a bit for uh, campaigning on behalf of other candidates, and uh, I'm hearing the hesitancy in people. People, some people are decided and committed, and yet there's a huge swath out there that are still uh, making up their minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really interesting. You've got you know the one incumbent, and he's really. We're going to hear today in some of the clips that we're going to play, but he's really playing off of this experience and the fact that he knows a lot about you know politics. And then you've got uh, Diane Terrian's uh, energy, which is so different. And um, so I interviewed Daryl Bennett, and you interviewed Diane Terrian, <laughs> and um, we're going to play some clips from those interviews for uh, for our listeners. So uh, do you want to give us a little intro to uh, to this clip from Diane we're about to listen to? The first question, I, I recorded this uh, a few months ago with Diane uh, near the beginning of her campaign, uh, I think sometime in late June, early July. And I asked her, why are you running for mayor? It would have been so easy for her to just uh, do the minimum and get in for another term as councillor. And, and so her answer, her answer was quite revealing. I mean, it was challenging the first time around. Like I said, I didn't, you know, I hadn't run for things before. So I, it was a learning experience. Uh, and this time around, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about our community. You know, I, I moved to Peterborough not knowing that I would stay here. You know, I moved here to, to do my MA at Trent and, and I fell in love with the city. And so I worked really hard to, to build a life here, but it wasn't necessarily what, you know, you know, 15 years ago I would have, would have seen myself doing. And so, you know, the four years that I've been on council, I've loved it. I've learned so much uh, about how city hall works, how council works and what the community really needs. And, you know, I've had a lot of people that have asked me or encouraged me to run for mayor. And obviously I thought about it a lot and talked Mm -hmm. to a lot of people. It's not a decision that was taken lightly. Mm I feel like our community is really at this tipping point that there's so much good stuff happening, so much potential, but we need to have leadership that has that long-term forward-thinking vision for how we can come together around common goals and work together for a better, more progressive, more sustainable, more prosperous uh, future for everybody in our community. And so I thought, well, you know, why why not now? For Four years is a long time. And so I thought, you know, our community needs needs this now. And we see this through the amount of, of new and sort of diverse candidates that have come out for this municipal election at the council level as well, which I think speaks to the fact that people are really looking for and ready for 
some new vision, some new ideas, some some fresh blood around that table. And so I'm, you know, I'm just I'm happy to see to see so many people becoming involved in their their local democracy. What stood out to you from uh, from that answer, Bill? I think Diane's sense of excitement about the potential. That, that comes across. Uh, you're not dealing with someone who is sort of at, at later in their career, near the end of their career, uh, and, and with that youthful energy, you, you get these these new perspectives. So I'm really excited about uh, what we're going to hear in the rest of her campaign and, of course, the vote itself. Hmm. She does have that very excited energy, and I wanted to put it to Daryl Bennett um, you know, as the incumbent, but what is fresh and exciting in his campaign? Because he's, you know, competing against someone who's, you know, fresh and excited. Yeah. Um, so we're going to hear his answer to that question uh, in just a second. Stability, stability is something that I'm hearing from people at the doors right now. They're they're saying that they're pretty comfortable with what has been going on in the community. I think people recognize that uh, there's no money, trees around, and there's no no pots of money around, not only in the city, but in the province and in the federal government as well. So I'm firmly of the mind that the cupboards are going to be bare at both of those levels with the debt that has been accumulated over the last number of years, and that municipalities are going to have to be self-sustaining in many ways. So we have positioned ourselves quite well with our uh, controlled spending and with our uh, controls on the policies that we have in place to allow us to sustain ourselves. People uh, touch the hot-button issues, which are the PDI sale and the uh, uh, arrival of the casino in the community. Both of those were not made lightly. Both of those decisions were made to benefit this community long-term. They're both going to display and give us additional capital to uh, assist us with the long-term outstanding capital projects that we have in this community. And let me stop there for just a moment and go back and touch on what that's all about. We have, uh, at any given time this year, 2018, $1.198 billion worth of outstanding capital projects. It's not, it's a large number, but it's not a number that we can't manage. But if we can get additional funds to assist us with managing it, it makes uh, life a lot easier for the taxpayer because we only have one true source of funding that we can count on, and that's our property taxes. So when we spend money here to hire a new person, that costs the taxpayer money. If we put a project together, that costs the taxpayer money. If we can partner with others, that saves the taxpayer money. And if we can bring in other outside sources of revenue, that saves the taxpayer money. So... That's the operational side of it. Then you look at the taxation side of it and you say, okay, my taxes have gone up terribly in the last number of years. Uh, we have been about 3% for the last 15 years in the city of Peterborough. I've been around for eight of those. Uh, we've changed in 2012, we changed to an operating uh, budget and then added a 1% capital side to that. So that brought it up to the 3%, which is a better way of managing it, quite frankly. When you look at the breakdown of that, though, there's a number of items that are not within the control of council or even in control of the true operations of the city. You can see very quickly that the uh, control factors that we have in place here are important, but they're somewhat limited because of the way we have to uh, meet the demands of the legislation. Mm -hmm. I have to say, uh, Bennett comes across... As he is, he's a very knowledgeable character when it comes to business and running organizations and uh, not to be taken lightly in that regard. Uh, He is the real deal uh, in that measure. So you can hear, like you were saying, like he's got this 
really thorough understanding of how municipal politics works. But I think to a point where he is a little bit um, unenthused by it, you know, like he uh, isn't making any promises uh, for anything new. Like I asked him what was fresh and exciting and he said stability. So it's just going to be carrying on with what he's been doing so far. Anything stand out to you from that? Well, yes, uh, listening to that, of course, as you say, his competence, but also the things that are not said, right? Like we're in the midst of a housing crisis and, and that's not just people not having places to live. It's, it converts to a public health crisis, addictions, uh, of course, uh, law enforcement. Uh, the police now are being used as social workers. I mean, most of their calls, I am told, are dealing with problems relating to homelessness, housing, and poverty. So if we could somehow magically do what they did, uh, what the uh, population of Medicine Hat did in Alberta, and house people, apparently many of those other problems greatly shrink, including hospitalization. Yeah, you're right. You don't get a sense of what are the big issues to him. Like, what are what are the things that are firing him up that make him want to, you know, make a difference in this city? Um Next up, you have a clip from Diane about um, her advice to herself. Uh, do you want to set that up a bit? Sure. Uh, this was a bit of a cheat in that that's a uh, it's a standard coaching question. Uh, you know, when you're working with a client, you say, oh, "What advice would you give to yourself uh, if you could go back 20 years when you were just about to go off to university? What would you say?" And you know, it can lead to insights. So with Diane, I said, you know, both of us ran in 2014, and of course she won. She got in. So I say, uh, "What advice would you give to yourself if you could travel back in time?" And what would you do differently? And so I found her answer quite interesting. When I ran in 2014, it was the first time I had run for really anything. Anything? Uh, yeah, pretty much. And uh, and so it was kind of a learn as I went along experience. What I had heard from people who had done it before, and I, and I talked to a lot of people who had more experience than I did, was that, you know, boots on the ground are what win these elections. And mm -hmm. at that time, and, you know, I was a relative newcomer to Peterborough and I had people say, well, nobody knows who you are. There's no way that you can win. I thought, well, I better knock on every door in town ward and introduce my pe myself so that people know who I am. And so that's what I did. And that's, you know, the strategy that I, that I have going into this campaign as well. And so I think in terms of advice to myself at that time would to be, would be to keep positive people around you, have people that challenge your, your ideas, because that makes you stronger and more solidified in, in your opinions. But but you need to be out there meeting people and listening to what people want in their community. It's not enough to, you know, think that you know everything. You need to be receptive to what your constituents are looking for in elected officials and and that's what I and that's what I did and that's what I continue to do, but that would be also advice that I give to anybody who's interested in in pursuing this this type of work. Yeah, I mean, I'm just struck in, in listening to that again, uh, that how acute uh, Diane's uh, intuitive sense of her own processes are. I mean, she's a quick study. Uh, some people go through life and it takes a lot of bumps in the road before they learn the lesson. Diane gets it right away. Uh, yes, she doesn't have the uh, the 50 years of business experience that Bennett has, but uh, – She's really quick. <laughs> She's agile. On, on the flip side, uh, Daryl Bennett's been in uh, 
in the office of the mayor for about eight years now. And um, I put it to him, what has he learned through the process of being the mayor for this long and what does that experience give to him? Process. The uh, progress works best when you follow processes and the processes that uh, are completely different in the private sector to what they are in the public sector and you just need to uh, ensure that you uh, follow all the policies that you have set and then then tweak those policies if they need some attention as you're going through the various processes to get a project through City Hall. So most people from the outside don't understand the workings of getting something done at this level. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you do need to uh, make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed and that you're uh, fitting into all of the various policies that you're going to either run afoul of or you're going to run in favor of. So that's what I see as the uh, role of the uh, a politician and the role of staff working with political uh, uh, arm of City Hall has been uh, quite uh, favorable. So I think it's this interesting play off of each other, like what Diane would uh, tell herself uh, years ago and what Daryl Bennett has learned in these past eight years. You know, there's these different priorities of like uh, Diane wants to communicate more with the public and you see this um I don't know, this kind of priority that she wants to consult with her constituents. Um, whereas I think what Daryl Bennett has learned and focused on is, you know, how to get things done at City Hall and how to how the process works. Um, what, what, what's your interpretation of... Uh... Because I'm wearing glasses now, I, I see... Both of us are wearing glasses. We see the world through the color of our glasses. And uh, Daryl Bennett has very strong lenses uh, in terms of business lenses. And, and I, I would be a fool if I criticized that in terms of its usefulness in, in running the city of Peterborough. However, they're not the only set of glasses we need. You also need to put on uh, social justice glasses. You need to put on service delivery glasses. Uh, there's so many more lenses we need in addition to the business lens. And so uh, Diane speaks to some of that uh, when I uh, asked her the question about issues she wants to focus on. Yeah. So, I mean, my main you know platform that, as you heard it in the speech that we talked about, centers on jobs, taxes and infrastructure. But that, you know, those are broad categories that so many things fall under. So we know right now we're having, you know, we have a crisis, a housing crisis in our city. We're dealing with high rates of poverty and unemployment. We're dealing with, you know, aging roads and storm sewers that are, you know, that need to be upgraded. So all of those things are are part of that. Absolutely. And then the other piece that I've really pushed for in my four years on council and before that and, and am now is the need for more accessible and transparent elected officials and city council. So I've been hosting this series of neighborhood drop-ins at different locations around the city because I want to hear from people what, what they, what they're concerned about as well, because, you know, I have things that I'm passionate about, but I I know that my experience is different from, from everybody else, uh, from everybody else's. So I want to learn from that as well to make sure that my platform is, is really going to help our whole community. And not just, you know, like, you know, like individual interests or special interest groups. Sure. So, yeah. So I think that that, you know, is a big thing that I'm pushing for. I did that as well around. We, I'm sure that the sale of PDI will come up again so, since that news broke uh, on the Friday before the long weekend here. That when that debate and discussion came forward, I, I was the one that put a motion to actually have community engagement and consultation and education around what was happening with that. So that's a value that I really I hold quite strongly. And, you know, the last couple of weeks, I've had these 
community drop-ins. And there's been people as young as 14 and people as old as 80 that have come out to that and everyone in between. And that's what I want to hear because you need to have diverse perspectives and that intergenerational knowledge about, well, what, you know, what do we want from the city and what do we hope the future will look like as well as, you know, what, what people are worried about now. So it's trying to capture all that, which is, you know, a lofty goal, but I think, you know, I've got a great Mm -hmm. team and we're working towards it. Yeah. What struck me listening to uh, Diane's, um, response to the question was her, her sense of public process, her sense of consultation. I didn't get the feeling it was just ticking a box because the government says cities should consult with their public. She was genuinely interested in it. And I, I shouldn't blame the mayor for what I've experienced, uh, you know, being involved in issues that have come to City Hall. Uh, He's locked into a process, but I do get the impression that that process, as it ex- has existed so far, at least in the last four years, is pretty tied to doing the minimum to tick the box to to keep the government satisfied that we consulted the public. You know, as an activist who's been involved in a few of the issues, of course, in addition to PDBI, PDI, the Parkway, I've had it with these consultation sessions where everyone's just going through the motions. The decision has already been made. In fact, the councillors know how they're going to vote. Like, don't waste our time. (laughs) There's some talented people in Peterborough who have other things to do with their time. If it's going to be a fake consultation, let's not do it. And... It's interesting as well, because when I asked Daryl Bennett this a kind of similar question, he uh, brought up the fact that they there are so many reports and assessments and so many experts that weigh into the decisions as they appear before mm-hmm. council, even before they even do the public consultation. So if you look at um, the decision to build the Twin Pad Arena up at Trent, there were already all sorts of environmental assessments um reports on the need for um, an arena such as that, that even before it came to council, the decision was stacked in favor of the development happening. Mm. Um, and I think there is a bit of an issue with um, what information council is dealing with and how that information is then communicated to the public. Because even if you look at something like PDI, they were looking at, the council was looking at reports about um internet security and the costs of uh, maintaining the security of PDI so that uh, it would be impervious to hackers and things like that. But that that's not the kind of messaging that's communicated to the public. So I wanted to ask Daryl Bennett in our interview about how does City Council and City Hall communicate with the public and does he think it could be improved at all? Because I think it could. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. We had... Uh... 20 meetings, public meetings uh, around the city. We had a number of discussions at uh, General Committee and then a number of discussions at Council. We had one-on-one meetings with ratepayers. We had a good opportunity for people who uh, wanted to uh, learn what the process was about. Uh, I believe they had ample opportunity to do that. The the facts on the PDI sale uh, are clear, were clear, and, and continue to be clear. There's a change coming in that side of the industry, and to be very clear, that's the poles and wires. That's all that we're looking at, not the uh, generation side of it, not the zoo and not the water and not the rest of it that makes up our city of Peterborough Holdings Utilities. It's just the poles and wires. We are not large enough to sustain ourselves in the changes that are coming in the marketplace. We're not in a position to defray the costs that are going to be asked 
of us to bring our systems up to standard going over the next 10 years, nor are we in a position to deal with the known quantities that are going on in the rest of the industry. So if you look at our customer base of about 35,000 plus or minus, as opposed to Hydro One's with 1.3 million, if you've got a $10 million expenditure, the math's pretty simple. $10 million spread over their customer base or $10 million spread over our customer base it's a lot of money on the one side, it's pennies on the other side. Mm-hmm. And that, that was part of the equation of making that decision. We knew that our rates would be uh, increasing by about 30%, 28.8%. We know that Hydro One can do the same level of service that we were providing, and their rates, if they just watch inflation, will go about 6.5% over the next 10 years. So it's, it's a good deal for the rate payer, it's a good deal for the city. Operationally speaking, we also get the stability of jobs the existing jobs that are here with our own PDI service, with our own H1 services that are here, plus a regional hub that's coming in that'll provide another 30 to 50 jobs long-term for this community, and there's are good, high-paying jobs that are, that are very much welcomed. Mm-hmm. So he didn't totally answer my question, but um, I think he was speaking more to how... Um, Information is communicated to City Hall and between city councillors and the mayor. Um, you know, they're dealing with these pretty major decisions and they're dealing with um, pretty hefty reports as well. Um, you know, they're kind of obtuse to get through and I don't know if they're um, accessible to the public in terms of the language and in terms of creating understanding about uh, the decisions city council is making. Um what, what did you? What did you? Think? Well, I mean, Daryl Bennett is absolutely right when he says these decisions are complex. There's a lot of research that goes into uh, the background papers and reports that council and city staff have to become familiar with in order to, to make a balanced decision. I mean, no one can fault him on that. Uh, the problem comes down, and I hate to reduce it, and I, I don't mean this as a reductionist statement, but. Trust also enters into this because for the average taxpayer, uh, property owner, citizen, uh, doesn't have time to, to go through all those reports, nor, nor quite frankly, uh, the expertise to understand them. And so we have to trust that people at City Hall are, have those skills and are doing that. Where I fault his uh, his um, posi- Daryl's position is that there are uh, people in the in this community who are not at city hall, who are not on council, who are very smart <laughs> <laughs> and are capable of doing that research and are capable of doing analysis. And I, I would wish the next council would somehow bring those. Uh, gifted uh, citizens into the loop more so that we could have a broader conversation. Uh, What was missing, I think, in the consultation around uh, uh, PDI and indeed the parkway is that those experienced, how shall I say, citizen expert voices were more or less sloughed off because they didn't line up with the direction of city council and, quite frankly, city council's supporters. And uh, while I'm not going to throw any mud about campaigns and donations, and that has largely been removed by uh, the new legislation, uh, there's communities of influence, and, and, and let's not kid ourselves that, uh, uh, you know, of course, the mayor, uh, Daryl Bennett, has uh, a substantial community of influence in, in the land developers. I, I just want to 
I, I think those are really, really important points. Uh, just to go back a bit to what you were saying about, oh, a lot of very smart people being in Peterborough and, you know, not necessarily in City Hall or on City Council. But what do you think of, what do you say to the point that, you know, we elect these officials um, to represent our needs so that they can have these co- conversations and we trust them to have these conversations without necessarily consulting us on all of these things? Well, and you're absolutely right. We live in a representative democracy. We vote these people in uh, so that they will read all the uh, 50-page reports and 100-page reports and pour through the stats and make those decisions. The problem with that model is you're dealing with uh, 11 people on council and then you're dealing with, I'm going to say, uh, another two to three dozen senior staff people in City Hall. Uh, What that model negates or overlooks is the point I made a few moments ago that there are many citizens. For example, there's a citizen of Peterborough who teaches urban planning. The man has many, many initials after his name. You know, um, I have no particularly particular expertise in urban planning. So when I say something about the parkway and how it's going to be become a white elephant in future years, you know, you can listen to me or not. Uh, but when individuals with substantial planning backgrounds uh, come to a similar conclusion, uh, I think council would be wise to uh, pause and say, well, wait a minute, let's hear some more. So what I'm looking for in the next council is, is a more in-depth consultative and I have to say selective consultative process. I mean, uh, as I said, you know, I have no expertise in urban planning, but there are people who do, who should be listened to and, and heeded. Uh, certainly during the presentations of the parkway, it was pretty discouraging to sit through uh, 72 of the 77 presentations against the parkway, lots of good facts, and then to have council vote, yeah, let's build a parkway. I do consider the fact that they have to look at the reports that are given to them. You know, there's lots of scientists out there who aren't employed by the government and, um, you know, they might, they come to different conclusions all the time in their research. You can't be always looking at all these different opinions when they're not all, they don't draw a consensus. And I think ultimately they have to trust the people they hired, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's just that that's a very small, to use your analogy, hiring pool. You know, we're dealing 11 councillors, a couple dozen uh, senior staff people who are involved in these decisions for something like, I'll, I'll use the parkway because it's such a ready example, uh, close to $100 million to build. That's a big whack of change. I mean, as a taxpayer, as a ratepayer, you know, I want to have some input into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think it's interesting in, in the different, um, you know, Daryl Bennett is very much speaking for ratepayers and taxpayers, and he that that's clearly the the people that he he speaks for, uh, or that he thinks he speaks for. He mentioned at the beginning that he's looking at the ratepayers, uh, the developers, and the other people who are indirectly impacted by um, decisions. Um, Peterborough is dealing with a lot of issues, and uh, you know we're in a, a place in the economy right now where. Uh, folks of my generation, uh, like millennials and younger, are finding it very difficult to get into the housing market and finding it very difficult to even become taxpayers and ratepayers and get jobs well enough to to afford that kind of lifestyle. Um, 
The next clip we have coming up is uh, from your interview with Diane about jobs. Do you want to just set it up a little bit? Sure. Uh, you know, and if Daryl Bennett were with us here in the studio, he'd say, you know, the job situation in Peterborough is not unique to Peterborough. It's across the province. It's across the country. Indeed, it's across much of uh, the developing and developed world. Uh, you know, this is not a problem that we can blame uh, on City Hall. However, uh, the the methods to deal with it uh, have to change. Diane had some interesting perspectives on it because, of course, she's living it. She's part of the millennial generation. Let's give a listen. I have friends who have masters of science and who have, you know, graduate degrees in uh, geochemistry and these things who, who still, even if they can find full-time jobs, are often still on contract and are often not paying a living wage. Yeah. Uh, and so they, even if they have that full-time job, it's still precarious because it ends in six months to a year yeah. and they're only making you know, they're barely making enough money to be above the low income line. Uh, and so I think that that, you know, that's one of the issues that all generations, but particularly the younger generations are dealing with is that you, you know, you, you have to work twice as hard to make half as much pretty much. And the ca cost of housing, the cost of food, the cost of gas uh, have all gone up yeah. and wages have stagnated. Yes. Uh, and so that is, you know, that's a very real, it's a very real issue. Uh, I think part of it too, and I've talked about this a little bit in Peterborough is that this, you know, this community um, has been a bit slower to adapt to the new economy that, that we're living in, in terms of, you know, the, the decline of the, the manufacturing sector. And certainly we still want to work with those um, manufacturing, you know, the manufacturing industry that's here. But, you know, there is so much happening in, you know, the knowledge economy. And there's people that, you know, can telecommute and work from home and do designing or do uh, web-based work that they don't necessarily need. Uh, an office building um, and they don't necessarily need to be in sort of an urban center, but they want the quality of life that Peterborough has to offer. So that's something that I think that we need to leverage and we certainly can leverage more. There's a lot of people in our community who commute down to Toronto or the Durham region a couple times a week. Uh, if you know, and the, you know, the, the speed of your internet is more important now than, you know, than the size of, of your roads really, right, right. Uh, because that's where, that's where things are happening. Yeah, and Diane uh, hits a number of key points, um, and this is not to throw mud, certainly, at anyone uh, involved in City Hall or, or, or City Government or the Council. A uh, number of good things are happening on that front in Peter. The innovation cluster, the work that Michael Skinner is doing to develop entrepreneurship, uh, the schools could certainly do more in that, but uh, in uh, part of the work I do is I, I do some teaching at a Fleming College. And when I mention to students that, you know, if we have a reunion in five or ten years, uh, fully half of you will will have uh, opened your small your own small business, whether I'm dealing with skilled trade students or students who are massage therapists or uh, – this is across the board. And I, I think that's a huge change towards entrepreneurship the, and, and Diane speaks – uh, you know, certainly speaks accurately about that. And, and I, I, Daryl Bennett gets that. I, I wouldn't accuse him of being old school on that at all. He knows manufacturing is not coming back. Uh, and it's one of these issues that unfortunately uh, beyond a certain level of activity, and the city does pretty well supporting the innovation, innovation cluster and uh, the startup groups and so on uh, – this is huge and it's systemic and it's throughout uh, really the developed world. Yeah, it, it, it's it's this 
tough area too, where you know there's a lot of skilled young people who are able to get these like remote jobs where they're able to do a lot of creative work uh, remotely, but there's still this um, kind of base of people who. Um, you know they want those blue collar jobs. So I put it to Daryl Bennett. What does he? What does he see as the Peterborough advantage, and what, how does he sell the city? Sound, uh, sound labor base, uh, high end uh, operations from Trent University, from Sir Sanford Plumbing College. Uh, the college, with their course of skills training, is going to provide workers that are uh, virtually job fit, coming right out of the market. Our avionics industry that we have here through the airport. Uh, our lifestyle, the uh, abundance of water, which is going to be something that uh, in the next couple of decades is going to be uh, uh, the wars fought over it, in my estimation. So it's going to uh, certainly set us up as a very vibrant community to be around. Mm-hmm. These these are all the advantages of, you know, we, we live those advantages. We love being around the water. We love being around this natural environment. Um, and it's something that he sells to companies to bring them here as the Peterborough advantage to, to get more jobs here. What's your take? Oh, and Daryl Bennett is absolutely right. I mean, everything he says about uh, how to leverage uh, possible new business and the importance of attracting it and bringing it here, you know, no, no one, you know, no one could refute that. And keep in mind, though, that just to provide some context, in my conversation with Diane, uh, Terry, and your conversation with Daryl Bennett, uh, the dreaded initials of AI were not mentioned. <laughs> and how how huge is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, particularly for your generation, I mean, jobs are going to be displaced. Uh, much of the work I do now, uh, certainly the, the academic work, could be done with AI. So what's that? going to mean? And again, this is far beyond the scope of what goes on in City Hall in Peterborough. But they do have a have a say and a pretty powerful role in shaping how the city responds to these economic trends that are, you know, as you said, not just in Peterborough, but around the world. And you see other cities adapting and, you know, putting their support behind these innovative projects, you know, shared workspaces, getting that inter- internet speed up, like Diane mentioned, you know, We've got fiber optic internet in a lot of downtown Peterborough, but you consider the fact that a lot of the rural areas around here are, you know, not so good. Um, so, some of these like infrastructure development things that, uh, play into jobs and not just roads, like Diane was saying, but like this telecommunication infrastructure. I think it's a, a really important role that city council needs to, needs to take an active role in shaping. Yeah. I, one thing the city could do more, and I certainly have heard this at the doors, uh, is um, streamlining the process for setting up a new business, particularly if it's a new business that has anything to do with food. It's a bit of a uh, dog's breakfast to get that set up. There's so many agencies you have to deal with and provincially Driven. I mean, again, if Daryl were here, he'd say, well, look, our, our hands are tied. We have to, to dance to the tune of the regulations of the province. And he's absolutely right. But, uh, could the city bring in a one point of contact staff person who entrepreneurs could deal with and that person would walk them through, guide them through, coach them through all the steps that one has to go through, let's say to open up a new restaurant, open up a new catering business, open up a new store, open up a new uh, consulting service, you know, uh, in, in the, IT. The, the Peterborough and Quartz's Economic Development Center actually kind of does that. 
Yes, they do that, but they're not up at City Hall in that sense. I'm looking for one point of contact that deals with all these agencies so that a uh, 22-, 23-year-old coming out of uh, Trent or Fleming who's got – who's who, whose uh, hair is on fire with a great idea gets some help and coaching so they can get up to business quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned um, kind of this – you know, handcuffed uh, relationship with the province. And that, I think, is a really interesting factor, you know, with the, um, obviously, we saw with Toronto, some of the uh, moves that the new premier made to um, interfere a bit with the municipal election is the perception. Um, So I wanted to ask Daryl Bennett, um, how he perceives the relationship with the province and what he brings to the table in terms of, uh, like, negotiating power, uh, in, the, in this new relationship? We have no power. No. We, we were created as a vessel of the province many, many years ago under the Municipal Act, and I believe at the same time they created the Asylums Act, and sometimes I think they get the two of those twisted up, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. That's me being humorous. But at the end of the day, we're puppets. We're true puppets in many ways. The Municipal Act is very dictatorial. We have certain powers, but they're, but they're powers with limits on them. And we still have to report back to the province and everything we do. For instance, we want to put a new uh, uh, a new road through the city of Peterborough. Uh, yes, we've determined, we've done all the studies, we've got all the expert opinions, we've done all the, all the legwork here at this end. We send it out to the province, they deny it. Mm-hmm. That's their authority. They can do that. You know, we're in this new era of, uh, of Doug Ford and... Um, you know, power plays with with municipalities. And I think it's this really interesting place for a mayor to be now where, you know, he's right. The municipal municipalities don't have a lot of power in that relationship. And um, but I, I do think that there's something about principles and being able to stand up for the city that uh, uh, that the mayor should be doing. Yes, you know, and uh, that point was underlined last night uh, on Pines and Politics. Uh, former Mayor Sylvia Sutherland was on. And the very last thing she said was, you know, and, and it, it stopped us all. And we had to listen to her remark and take it in to appreciate the significance. She said, you know, I pity the next council. Mm-hmm. And, of course, what she was getting at is they are going to be cut, uh, their resources from federal government, from the provincial government, and yet they are the customer-facing end of service delivery in so many government services. And, and they're between a rock and a hard place. It's totally beyond their control. And, you know, Daryl Bennett is absolutely right to say that uh, the city is, in effect, a slave of this relationship. I think it's interesting because – you know, have you heard the um, – you're familiar with the phrase glass ceiling? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> um, I've also heard a, a likewise phrase called the glass cliff where uh, women are put into positions of power at a point where they're going to fail. So uh, they get the unlucky job, the unfavorable position of being in between that rock and a hard place. And it's – you know, we're, we're facing the prospect of – of a female mayor if Diane Terrian is successful. And um, I just think it's an interesting place. It's not a, it, you know, Sylvia Sutherland was saying it's not a favorable place to be for the next city council. And I don't know if it's going to be a favorable place to be for the next mayor. Yeah. And I think uh, 
the gender of the next mayor notwithstanding, it's going to be a tough run. And it's not – most of these financial – macro financial factors are, are beyond the control of whoever is mayor and whoever gets on council. Yet they're going to have to deal with it. And I, I think if there's improved communication, then we can get the city on – you know, the citizens on side and actually – help. I, I think we've got to get out of the box where we see city council as the adversary and our enemy. I think that's a, a good place to wrap up. Do you think? I agree. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me, Bill. Um, I was joined today by Bill Templeman. Um, tell us a bit about your podcast and where people can find you. Oh, well, Pints and Politics is uh, it's, uh, on the PTBO uh, Podcasters site. It's pintsandpolitics.ptbopodcaster.ca or just Google Pints and Politics Peterborough and you'll, you'll get to it. It's a weekly radio program here at Trent Radio, to, uh, Tuesday nights, 9 to 10. It's also live streamed from the Trent uh, uh, Trent Radio website, and of course, it's uh, uploaded as a podcast. So, um, yes, please tune us in or just download the podcast, yeah. as with yours. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you're going to be uploading uh, the full inter- my full interview with Daryl Bennett. And um, in your podcast feed, you can also find the full interview with Diane Terrian that we use clips from today. That's correct. Absolutely. Great. So you can check that out, pintsandpolitics.ptvopodcasters.ca. Thanks so much for tuning in, and thanks for being with here. Oh, thanks so much, Rachel.